Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Tonight, we're going to remember a great, well, part of it was random. Part of it was great. A great game from 1991. It was Monday Night Football, Bears and Jets, the game that most people remember for Caposo wandering around with half the field stuck to his face mask. But there was a lot of other stuff. That happened. I'm sure Blair Thomas doesn't remember it for that. Or Pat Leahy. I'd honestly forgotten that part. So so last week we did Bears Redskins from 1984, and we had that 20-minute um, condensed game, and uh, we told you that you could try to you know follow along, and that we failed miserably at that. There is no way we are going to make you uh, watch all three hours of this game, but I will put the game uh, on the post on Decipio. You can, you could pretty much skip. Actually, watch the opening, yeah, and we, then jump ahead to what midway through the fourth quarter, almost. Well, we watched it, so you don't have to. It's there, right? If you want to run and, and look something up, uh, you know, uh, you can. That's um, you know, that's on you. So we did go through all of it. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, go through it again. It was, it felt like homework, um, for me, because usually I just show up and crack my head open and we just, you know, riff and, uh, you know, a lot of things I remember about that game, obviously, but you know, we're going to go through it. I had to sit down and watch it. Of course, because it uses almost all 15 minutes of overtime, even without commercial, this baby clocks in at, a little bit over three hours. So like hey, doing this for a couple of years now, fucking doing homework, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was nostalgic. Um, and I think, uh, I think this would be fun to recreate for, uh, for our listeners. Yeah. I was just looking, you can pretty much skip ahead to the middle of the fourth quarter and start watching it. Then it'll be 13, yeah, I, six jets. I even have an, a note. I don't have a timestamp on my notes, but even, you know, I have the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. In the fourth quarter, it's like halfway down where there's the, in bold, now the game gets interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you want to look for the real fun. I mean, you know, we're going to go through it all, but, you, you know, you want to see the fun stuff when, when things really get off, off, the, off the chain. Yeah, half, about, about a third of the way, if you want a little bit of a run, run up, third of the way through the fourth quarter. But so. So to set this up, the Bears came into this 3-0, a, a unspectacular 3-0. Yeah. yeah. They had beaten the Vikings 10-6 to on opening day. 
then beat the Bucks 21-20 in Tampa. And then in a, uh, actually, maybe the biggest win they had in the season, they beat the Giants 20-17. to it's a, it's a game that Frank keeps referencing yeah, with disbelief. I alluded to it. Just, just to, just to tell you, I, just to tell you the, the sort of amount of acreage, Andy, you and I, you and I have covered, might make Andrew Jones shudder. Um, I made a reference to when we watched uh, William the Refrigerator Perry in a game um, that was in that playoff game from the previous when we broke down the Saints game, uh, which is really the same team that we're going to go over tonight. This is four games after the saints game and the play in the wild card game from 1990, as it turns out. Um, but in that saints game, uh, we, we covered, um, uh, uh, you know, brought up Perry and, and, and mentioned, you know, he was really at the end. And I brought up that, yeah, one of my last memories of Perry was a giants game the next year, living in my state of view apartment and he blocked a field goal. Uh, that would have sent the game into overtime. Sure enough, we're watching this game, and Frank, yeah, Frank's all about it because he was a giant, right? Yeah, he's having, he's got PTSD from that game, and it's probably left over from Chuck Bednarik. Yeah, maybe basically uh, ending Frank's lucid days many years before. Did Frank ever play after that? That was it, right? I think no, he did. I think he missed a whole happened, year, which though. is unheard of. He missed an entire yeah, goddamn an entire season. season. So you can YouTube that. It's out there. And, and even in the old grainy black and white, you can get a taste for how hard what Bednarik did to him. Almost, you know, violate a number of uh, local statutes. So, yeah, the Bears are 3-0. and And the amazing thing about it to the – well, the announcers are – they were one of the longest-running Monday Night Football teams, right? Yeah, Michaels came on board in 87. Gifford had been there through a few regimes. Gifford goes back, I think, to the beginning, right, with Meredith and Keith Jackson, maybe not in the very beginning. Cosell was in there. Yeah, uh, 87, 87 was when Michaels, uh, I, I know that, and Deardorff became the third wheel. And they would alternate sometimes between a two- and a three-man booth for a while. Um, so, yeah, it, they were probably at least in their second or third year, and they would go on for almost, probably a decade, right? Yeah, yeah that's got to be the longest – continuous uh, grouping in Monday Night Football history. Yeah. Frank These three guys. Uh, added nothing. He, I disagree even, a little bit. There are times in this game where I'd have to give him some propers, but he largely, you're starting to really, he's getting old. And, I did like at the beginning when he talked about the rapidly improving Jets and their general manager, Dick Steinberger. Steinberg. He immediately corrected himself. Steinberg, Steinberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Steinbrenner. It's Steinberger. Yeah. They still gave Gifford like the um uh the pregame sort of quick speech and he was he was a little fired up. Yes, and I, I enjoyed the fact that it was all about the Bears. There was no mention it was all Ditka and the Bears. No mention yeah, it wasn't even about the Bears. It was about Ditka. It was really about Ditka. <laughs> you wouldn't have known who they were playing until the until they the shot of the three doofuses in the booth. Then they finally said, Oh yeah, and they're playing the Jets. Um, another interesting thing about the open. So it's Hank Williams Jr. Yep. I forgot that, but it's not the classic. Are you ready for some football? That's based on all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. It's the second version that they did, which they (coughs) Hank went for a a tie in. He had a, he had an album about that time called born to boogie. And the (laughs) theme 
the are, he, are you ready for this football? It's still in the song, but the song is to the tune of Born to Boogie, and he actually says Monday Night Boogie a couple of times. Is that right? Uh, yes. So, because I'm like, wait yeah, a minute, what? This is not. This is not. The that's right. One. It was. A, it was a little bit altered. That's a good catch. Yep. Got that they tinkered with it. The other thing I enjoyed. So Frank does the the recorded open, and then he starts. He's also the first live voice you hear. Yep. And he goes, here's a great look at the at Soldier Field and a look at the Chicago skyline. And the shot is of Soldier Field and the lake. <laughs> shot with the buildings behind the blimp. You don't see yes. a building anywhere. It's like, all right. Please yeah. look into this abyss and admire <laughs> there's a modern a huge, American there's man's a, contribution. To but a terrible blackout in Chicago. All the lights are off. Oh, no. Sorry. That's the lake. Um. So yeah. So the Bears had won the week before, um, and, the, and the Giants had lost. They, uh, coincidentally, and this has just occurred to me now. Both teams are coming off having played the previous year's Super Bowl entrance. Uh, the Giants were the defending Super Bowl champs when the Bears beat them to go three and zero. Still a fluky game. Uh, the Giants or the Jets and uh, the crew talks about oh, this yeah, game a lot. The they, they lost an overtime game to Buffalo, which you know was significant. Buffalo, who of course, this week is in the AFC title game for the first time since this era's team, which, um, as we, you know, as we all know, went, they went to four straight Super Bowls. This was just their first one when they lost by a point before they were getting, you know, annually uh, humiliated. And they were good because I, I also remember after this game, when the Bears do survive and they're undefeated, they got absolutely curb stomped in Rich Stadium uh, the subsequent week. I mean, the Bills were not to be fucked with. So the Jets gave them a battle and, you know, the, the, the booth talked talks about it during this game here. Um, but yeah, they're both teams are coming off of uh, tight games, but the bears are three and oh, and it's kind of, it looks kind of questionable. Yeah. Bears three and oh, they've won their three games by a, a total of eight points. Yep. Um, and they've been outgained and the Monday night football has that stat first team yep. ever to go three and oh, with that low of a point differential and to be outgained very much the, uh, uh, the Matt Nagy bears, Except, yeah. except this team doesn't go in the tank. They actually they won. They won the games. <laughs> yeah, they win the first four, then they lose two in a row. But then they win. They win five in a row after that. So they yeah, start it fell apart. And, I want to start nine and yeah. two. It fell apart in a game against Miami. I want to mm-hmm. say they kind of squandered a game. Uh, Don Shuler's last visit to Soldier Field, perhaps, maybe not. But um, yeah, they lost. Yeah, they lost at home to the Dolphins in overtime, 16-13. Yeah, And the next week, game. they went to Detroit and lost, and that effectively cost them the division. Uh, yeah, it, that's right. And they, that was on Thanksgiving when they lost to them. They had beaten Detroit a month earlier. Well, and, and this, I, I always kind of would refer to like a, a sort of an annual trend post-Super Bowl where the Bears would always dominate September, first few weeks of October, and then, yeah, they would sort of just fade down the stretch. Yeah, Al gives and, the stat. I think they were. Yeah, this win made them, I believe, twenty-three and two. I believe that. I believe at one point he says that they are twenty-two and two. Right. Yeah, he uses it in an odd context, almost to like suggest that it's a repeatable skill. Like you know, the, the, yeah, the, you the know, the, were, the, Giants, the Jets are going up against history here. The Bears don't beat the Bears in September before they hibernate. Right. Ha, ha, ha. I'm surprised Deerdorf wasn't all over the hibernate pun. He couldn't find he couldn't find a pun. He couldn't crush into <sighs> fine dust. Yeah, the the past six seasons going into the game, they were twenty two and two in the in September. 
Which yep, and this game still managed to fall in September. Then, right? It was like September thirtieth. It had to have been. It was a full moon. We know that. Yep. Duly it noted. Had a, had a ring around it that meant rain or some shit. I don't know. Dan got the farmer's almanac out and gave us that wonderful stat. Yeah. So Frank so. says nice things about the Bears and the Jets. He says the rapidly improving Jets. And then Al immediately pisses all Picks over it. the Jets. Which he was, does. He yeah, does. Which I enjoyed. Unfair, unfairly, too, really. He says, uh, since Super Bowl three, they've become one of the NFL's wannabes. Been to the playoffs four times in 21 seasons since. This could be a big game for the Jets. You know, he he does this throughout the game a little bit. And I'm like, I, all right, yeah, the Jets did not really have a lot of sustained success ever, even with Super Bowl three. But I recall them going playing for an AFC title game with Walt Michaels as their coach and Richard Todd, uh, 82. So, yeah, I mean, they're not. He actually says. He says their legacy is one game. And that it, and it probably is true, but yeah. He, he Al was really taking a hammer to him. So I don't know what I don't know why, but oh, so, whatever. So after Al crushes the Jets, Dan slides in and breaks out his first punt of the day. The Bears are barely three and zero. He really articulates that. He then picks up on the rapidly improving thing and refers to rapidly improving quarterback Jim Harbaugh. Yep. And says, quote, he's on his way to being a fine NFL quarterback. That is a narrative that no matter how goddamn circular it is, fucking Deerdorf is going to punch that thing through a square hole. So this was also a landmark night for the coach. Came into the game with 93 regular season wins and six playoff wins. So he was going for his 100th career victory. This game, watching how it was produced, felt like sort of like peak Ditka, although you didn't know it at the time, right? I mean, yeah, we know it's six years after the Super Bowl. We know some of the flaws were kind of being exposed. But it just, you kind of got the vibe, man. It was just the guy was a magnet. We knew that. But at this point, it was like before, even though they're coming off one bad season in 89, but it's really kind of like a before this emperor wears wears no clothes things. I think it just felt like Ditka, Ditka. Like I said, the pregame was Ditka, you know, uh, they, and these guys would never uh, pass up an opportunity to relish in it. So, and I, maybe it was the, you know, SD always looks weird when it's uploaded to YouTube or broadcast in HD. Yeah, but, so but not good, not good mustache from Ditka for, for the coach. It's yeah, barely there. It almost looks like he'd shaved it off. But at certain angles, you can tell it's there. It's very, very wispy, kind of Errol not, Flynn kind of thing. And he's got I the got hair you. slicked back. Yeah, so you know he he he, he you know he he uh, uh, he teased around with a lot of different styles through the years. We talked about him wearing a suit and bouncing back and forth. I don't recall. Maybe it was just a bad mustache night for the coach. Something like that. So the Jets win the toss, and they are going to dare to kick it to Johnny Bailey, who I was surprised to still to to learn that he was still on the team. I, I thought he was a one year and done, but. Well, he nope. he fields the kickoff at the six and gets annihilated at the fourteen. They almost killed him uh, on the very first um, uh, kick yeah. of the game. And then Al, as uh, the Bears trotted on the field, says a lot of people were shocked and surprised when the Bears took Harbaugh number one in nineteen eighty seven. Yes, including me, and still am. Yeah. 
And then we talked about this um, actually, well, in that Saints game. Because um, the offensive line is yeah. is the is the familiar offensive line with one notable <laughs> exception. Yes, yeah. So so you brought this up. Uh, Covert was gone. Uh, the, wasn't, the he wasn't was actually co- gone. He was on. He was. He was done. It he tur- didn't know. It. I got it. He was it on. Turned injured, out that he was that on injured last, reserve, and he would never. That that, yep. He would never play again. Yeah. The last the the Saints playoff game that we recasted a couple weeks ago, we brought that up, and that was the last time they played together. So I mean, if you want to talk about a drop off, um, you go to this line, which again has you know Van Horn, Thayer, Bortz, Hilgenberg, but instead of good old Jimbo Covert, we get Stan Thomas. First round draft pick, the easily the most hated draft pick that Mike Ditka ever had. He, I remember, <laughs> I remember Ditka being interviewed like five years later, and like any regrets goes. Well, if I had any regret, it was drafting the, the Stan Thomas. If I knew what a piece of crap this kid was, he literally like Ditka wasn't necessarily the most um, subtle or, or or even elegant, but uh, it was yeah very over the top and very unrestrained. So he was the he was the twenty second pick in the nineteen ninety one draft. So it's not like he it's not like he was a top ten pick, right? Um, but he was twenty second, and guys picked right after him. Uh, Randall Thrill Hill, the wide receiver out of Miami, went to the Dolphins. Todd Marinovich to the Raiders. Ooh, okay. Uh, future Bear Ted Washington. Okay. Uh, the Buffalo Bills took uh, Indiana Jones. It looks like Henry Jones from Illinois. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't even know that. I thought he went. I thought he taught at some school in Indiana. Uh, Gerard Bunch, a fullback, went in the first round of the Giants. Uh, huh. Now, if they missed on a pick, it could be eleven picks after. Uh, some quarterback from Southern Miss got drafted by the Falcons. Oh Brett, yeah, Brett Favre, yeah, who would go on right. to throw for seventy-one thousand yards, and that's the Favre draft, right? So McMahon, McMahon had been gone for two years, and they were just kind of like this year's team. I, I enjoyed your podcast with Mike about how you know, uh, you just you know they're just doing it again, and it would have been like the exact same thing. They look past Favre, and yeah, we're gonna go with the fourth season of Jim Harbaugh, um, and. You're right. Dan Deardorff really trying to prop Harbaugh up in this game. And there are a few moments, and I got notes where it was like he just couldn't wait to tell you that Jim Harbaugh had arrived. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a he's a Michigan. Oh, Michigan. I didn't even draw the connection. Yeah, yeah of course. So Harbaugh, right. was the, Harbaugh was a 26th pick in 87. Um, and the guys picked after him, Ricky Natiel. Oh, wide Mark, receiver Denver, right? Yeah, Mark Ingram went to the Giants. Giants. Um Okay. Tim McDonald, defensive back to the Cardinals, went 34th. The, the Bears didn't exactly. There was nobody after him. Wait, it's the Ron Morris draft. What are you talking about? Sorry. Yeah, but they got him. They knew that was just right. savvy drafting. Right. That's it. Um, yeah, there's only – the 87 draft was not a good draft. There's only one only one Hall of Famer so far out of the whole draft. And honestly, if you got drafted in 87, you're not in the Hall of Fame yet. You're probably not going to make it. And that right. was Rod Woodson. Tenth pick by the Steelers. Wow. Uh, Danny Noonan went 12th to Dallas. Noonan. World needs 
Ditch diggers, out Danny. Number one draft pick out of St. Copius of Nebraska. Wow. Pretty good for a Chick Evans scholar. Yeah. Uh, one of the great picks of all time, though, was in this draft. Uh, the Packers picked fourth. Drafted, Tony Mandarich. No. Brent Fullwood. Oh. Running back from Auburn. Was Mandarich the 91? No, never mind. I don't want to go into the Packers draft history. Brent Fullwood. Yeah, this is a bad draft. Remember. Vinny, Vinny Testaverde went one. Cornelius Bennett was probably the best player in the draft. Very good player. Second. Yeah, and then, very good player. That's it, about it. Bennett was drafted by Tampa, but then he made his oh. uh, his, his money in Buffalo. 16th pick right? in the draft, John Bosa. Oh, okay. So he's got two kids that are in yeah. the NFL now. Yeah. But, yeah, so there you go. I probably lived the 87 draft. So the Bears, uh, in a bad draft, took a bad player, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it's, it's his fifth season. It's Harbaugh's fifth season, right? Like, you know, the guy ended up having a competent, mediocre career. Uh, and this, he was actually coming off a good season, but it was already on the downside of whatever you saw of Harbaugh. You know what I mean? And so it's funny to hear Deardorff, it just like propping him up. It's, 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 I didn't expect to draw analogies to this Bears team, but there is one right there. Um, so we do get a shot of the Bears backup quarterback, one of my all time favorites. E.T. Peter Tom Willis out of Florida State. So, yeah. So the Bears, starting at the 14, immediately go backwards. And they get a decent, I believe it was a Neil Anderson run, but there's a flag, and it's perilously close to the end zone. Right. All three guys are worried that Stan Thomas held in the end zone, and the game's going to start with a safety. Yep. He didn't, but he did hold. He did hold. He, he held it about the, the two. Yeah, but uh, wasn't there also a penalty on? Was there offsetting penalties? There was. I think he got. Uh, I, I made a note in the first five plays there were three penalties. Homer Simpson voice. This is going great. Um, but the Bears start moving the ball. Tommy Waddle, twenty three yards over the middle. Actually, a very a and, nice pass from Harbaugh. And what, and what would become Tommy Waddle's uh, coming out yes. game for sure? Nobody in the country really knew who he was. He caught the. Uh, the Bear he fans. made a nice diving. Uh, reception for the only touchdown in the game in week one when they beat the Vikings. I can still see it. Um, and, but we didn't know who he was. And then there was like, I remember the stories like he'd be get cut, come back, get cut, come back. You know, he'd been on the roster for like a couple of years. None of us really hardly knew who he was. And, and he only, he had seven catches uh, for a hundred yards in the first, in those first three games coming into tonight. So really not even in America, but nobody in Chicago knows hardly who he is. On that 23 yard pass, Dan, Described it as a total blow in the Jets secondary. And he said it twice. Is that? So I hadn't noticed, but Frank wasn't talking. And then they joked that Frank's microphone had been out. I'm pretty sure Frank went to take a dump. Don't you think? He was in the camp. Yeah. He wasn't. The, uh, they were covering the Virg- for him. That's the Virgil Patrick before Virgil right. Patrick. He, got, he did the open and the live thing, and then he was off to. Yeah, right. He needed a quick, <laughs> the, the, needed a quick the, break. The KO tactic was kicking in a little too soon. So the, the Bears get the Bears cross midfield. Another uh, another nice catch by Waddle, and um, Dan wonders if uh, Waddle is invisible because the Jets are not paying any attention to little Tommy Waddle. Okay. And then my favorite part of the early part of the game, which is bad, Stan gets called for a false start, and what happens to Stan? 
Uh, he gets shown the bench He's by the coach. Bench during the first drive <laughs> first of the game. Right. First and drive, the, great, right. the great Ron Mattis, who was terrible. Actually, worse yeah. than Stan. Comes lumbering no a former Jet. I, yeah, me, okay. All right. Yeah, you, you recall him better than I do. I, I'm like, who was his backup? Because eventually they replaced Tom with Troy or Azine, and, uh, but he wasn't ever really his backup. So, okay. Um, yeah. Now, first drive, second series, and he's already he's already sitting on his ass. Yep. And uh, actually, th- thanks in part to the false starts, drive stalls. Kevin Butler kicks a 33-yard field goal. We're off and running. Three to nothing. It's going to be a high-scoring tilt. Yeah, you can feel it. Jets come out on the field. Terrence Mathis, who would go on yeah. to have nice seasons with the Falcons. Played the Super Bowl with them like eight years, seven years after this, right? Yep. Uh, Jets start at the 45. Ken O'Brien comes out, and Al says, I don't have to tell you. He's not very mobile. Al, not a big Ken O'Brien fan, you could tell. Frank defends him a lot during the broadcast, but Al well, there doesn't couple, like it. A couple of things, and I'll bring it up when I know that it comes up on the TV screen about uh, about his inability to run, which is true. He was a pr- pretty prolific passer, and only I'm only bringing this up because I'm now obsessed with it. But they show up, they they show right away when O'Brien comes in that he has twenty thousand nine hundred eighty-five yards. So I looked it up. That number at that point in time, September 29th to 30th, 1991, would have made him the Bears' all-time leading passer then. Who would, who would he have been passed? Sid? It had, well, it'd have to be, right? Yeah. I mean, 21,000, nobody was coming close to that like in the Bears' history, right? McMahon was probably already top three, and he would have probably petered out at about, I don't know, seven or eight. I don't know. Um, and I also looked it up that even though Jay Cutler finished with more than that, so the, that 20,985 has been eclipsed by, with Cutler's 23,343. O'Brien himself would finish with 24,386, so he still finished more. Than- now, did you know, is that Jay's bear total or his total yes. total? So Wait, did I look up career? Is that Maybe with I the didn't. Dolphins and yeah. the Broncos added in? You know what? Maybe I but didn't I uh, look that I don't know. If There's Ken- only one seat, but he also had the Broncos. All right, yeah. So, fact check. But So that just makes it more depressing than if I did. If I included those numbers, then... And Ken O'Brien like easily has way more passing well, now, yards. Now Ken O'Brien didn't play his whole career with the Jets. I wouldn't have guessed that. He uh, he made four starts for the 1993 Philadelphia Eagles, and he lost them all. He only threw for 708 yards, so it didn't really affect his total all that much. Okay, he was done. He was only 33, but he was done. Well, he, O'Brien was part of that 1983 draft class, which. Uh, uh, Dan Marino, John Elway, and Jim Kelly, three Hall of Famers. O'Brien himself was not bad. Tony Eason was okay until, yeah, until the, the Bears, Bears scared the shit out of him for the Superdome yeah. And of course, playing the role of Mitch Trubisky is Todd Blackledge um, in this particular draft. Yes. But, so I can't wait for Mitch to be doing uh, college football games on ESPN for the next 25 years. Just like Todd. Right That's right. So, on this first jet drive, Al Toon makes a, catches a 29-yard pass for a first down, which reminded me. So, when I was a kid, my, uh, my mom's uncle 
So my great uncle had season tickets to the Badgers, and there were certain games that he just wanted to give away. And one of them was an Illinois game in 1983. The year they went to the Rose Bowl. The year they went to the Rose Bowl. And so I was at Camp, we went, and so my grandpa and I went to Camp Randall, and I was, a, you know, what was I, 11? Yeah. 10, 11. 10, yeah. I was 10. I hadn't turned 11 yet. And it was cool to go to the game. And my grandpa had gone to Illinois for a year before we flunked out. And um, I was puzzled by the Camp Randall had this very, it was 1983. They had like, a, they had like, I don't even know what it was. It wasn't LCD or LED, but it was, they had a message board under the scoreboard on the, which is actually on the field house. Because the, okay. the one end, the field house loomed over the field. They had a scoreboard on it, and they could put messages on it. And they kept putting what to me looked like one word, Altoon. Oh, sure. And I, as the 10-year-old me, it took me like a while to figure out that's actually the guy's name. Because to me, it wasn't <laughs> Altoon. It was Altoon. All one word. I always thought of that when I thought of Al. The only part of the game I really remember is Illinois ran a trick play that completely befuddled the Badgers. Mike White pulled this out of his nether regions. So Tony Eason drops back, turns, or is it Jack Trudeau? Oh, could have been, could have been Jack Trudeau. Backs up, bounces. Up, he, he turns to the side. There's a wide receiver, takes a couple steps back from the line, right. bounces the ball off the turf. Behind the receiver him, uh-huh. catches it. It may have been David Williams. Pretends draft and bust out. Yep. Pretends like, oh, it's incomplete. All the Badgers stop. He then turns, uh-huh. throws it down the field because it's behind, it's behind the line. It's a backward pass. It's not incomplete. It's basically, yep. basically yep. fielded yep. a fumble for a touchdown, which I always thought was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Well, and it wouldn't have been hard to do. Wisconsin was so, um, uh, I guess, uh, woeful in both football and, and basketball when we first got into it. It's funny to think of it now because they're so, you know, pretty consistently decent uh, for the most part. But they, they you, know, you, you never really heard from them until Barry Alvarez got there. No, they were terrible. This would have been the, God, who was their coach? Jesus, I, uh, could it, have been like Moore, it was the guy who died. Oh God, I can't. Yoder, Don Yoder, Steve Yoder, Steve Yoder, Steve Yoder. Yeah, I don't know how I knew that. Yeah, Illinois won twenty-seven to fifteen. Cool. They would get. Yeah, so they I, would be ranked as low as number four before they lost to Rick Neuheisel. Yeah, and UCLA. Oh, and this doesn't have the box score. It just says they got score. crushed like the Big Ten always did when they went out west. So um, anyway, that was my that's my Altoon memory, and it's not really even of Altoon. Well, I I don't know why I was surprised that Toon was still in this game because he was drafted in '85. I was kind of surprised. I, I wouldn't have associated him with the 1990s. Uh, he didn't really do much after that early catch, and uh, yeah, he seemed like a, he was a pretty good receiver for a few years. But so the Bears had a backup starting at safety because Sean Gale was injured. And it was the very skinny, very tall Marcus Paul from Syracuse. Uh-huh. Do you remember why Marcus Paul was in the news recently? I do not. He died. Oh, boy. He was the strength coach for the Cowboys and no dropped kidding. dead during the season. I think he was one of those guys that were tra- that was traded along with uh, uh, John Roper and Ron Cox for uh, Barry Minter and that trade we talked about, which I will come back to tonight. I promise. 
since they've invoked Paul has a pretty good game in this game, and they were bragging about how well he had played against the Giants. He had a, he had a whole crap load of tackles. They were, you know, he's a Syracuse yeah. guy. They were making a big deal out of him. But I'm like, oh, it's Marcus Paul. Oh, that's too bad. M-A-R-K-U-S. Yeah, I had it with a K. You know, and you mentioned too. Uh, you mentioned Al Toon. You know, they point out that he's six foot four and he's being covered by Lemonhead Stinson, who's five nine. Um, well, why didn't the Bears put the much taller Donnell Wolford on him? Wolford had a hell of a game, by the way. Also five nine. Yeah, that's right. Wow, Wolford didn't play like it though. No, I can't believe he was five nine. Yeah, Donnell was a very good player. I think it's also around this point we got our first shot of Pat Leahy, foreshadowing on the sidelines, the oldest man in the league at age 40. Two days ago, we just watched two guys older than him play quarterback. So in case you want to see how the NFL has evolved. So the Jets get close to the end zone, and Rob Moore um, catches a pass and dives for the goal line. He's short, and David Tate lights Rob Moore up. And Deerdorf immediately, oh, my God, that's a late hit. That should be a flag. And I'm like, ah, whatever. And then they show the replay, and that was a late hit. It should have been. (laughs) Morris basically laying on the ground, and Tate just obliterates it with the top of his head. (laughs) David Tate. Forces the um, Jets to sell for a field goal, and Pat Leahy comes out, and Al says it's the rare time when a field goal is shorter than an extra point. The ball was at the one. 19-yard field goal for Pat Leahy. And there you go. We're tied at three. Of like the, from the Fred Cox era. So then we see a promo for next week's Monday night game. Al makes fun of the fact that half the screen is filled with Mark Rippon's odd face. Who would go to the Super Bowl that year? It's Washington at Philadelphia. And who's playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Jimmy Mack, baby. Jimmy Mack. So Cunningham got hurt because if you remember, uh, this is the Eagles' first season without Buddy Ryan. He took him to the playoffs three straight years, never won a playoff game. That last one, though, Buddy, he he just, I think, grown fed up with Cunningham's postseason performance in the playoff game, and he went through McMahon in there. Kind of unfair to both of them, and it didn't work. Uh, they lost the game. Buddy got fired. But the next year, Cunningham, I think, got hurt because McMahon actually – he had a, well, probably one of his second or third most productive uh, years that season for the Eagles. He quarter, Of course, he couldn't stay healthy the whole time because even he got knocked out. I think Cunningham was out for the season, and then McMahon got bounced. I looked this up, and I remember laughing at whoever the third quarterback was. It was somebody who would remember. Uh, not going to bother to look it up because I almost have a feeling you're already on it. Uh, but McMahon actually had a really nice season. It was kind of nice to see. I didn't, you know, we always liked McMahon. He was gone. Yeah, and he was wearing the he was wearing the tinted visor. Yeah, yeah, he looked, looked pretty cool, cool still. Yeah. Those were actually really good Eagles uniforms too. Um, yeah, they, they were pretty sharp. So yeah, McMahon was going to be on uh, prime time a week after. So we're already in the second quarter. It's a rocking three to three game, huh? Yeah, very exciting. Um, Al talks about how Har- it's Harbaugh's job because obviously McMahon has been gone for a few seasons now, and Mike Tomzak has gone. They, I like how he said they lost him to Green Bay in Plan B free agency. Yeah, Plan B free agency was basically it's like designating a baseball player for assignment, and somebody you hope somebody claims him, and then you can either you pull don't, him you back don't you don't come back and go oh my god we lost him right the Bears were they didn't lose Tom Zach to Green Bay they foisted <sighs> Tom Zach upon the Packers. Yep, and then they proceeded to. Beat his 
brains in two times before, uh, you know. Tomzak ended up playing all the way up through 94 for Pittsburgh, 95. I'll give him credit for his cockroach-like ability to hang around. Uh, then all of a sudden we get the jarring sight of James Rouse playing fullback for the Bears. Yeah. Because Brad Muster, who apparently missed the first two games of the season and then came back to play a little bit in the Giants game, has started the game at fullback and pulled his hamstring again. Yeah. Good old number yeah. 30 mm-hmm. is playing fullback for the Bears and is way too involved in this offense. Wow, well, what are you going to do? Backup fullback. Uh, Dennis Bird made a nice play for the... Uh, Which, I hear his name and I immediately cringe. And well, I said, oh, why? I put a note, oh, was this before he was paralyzed? <laughs> yes. It's funny how you just hear a name. But you can make fun of Dennis Bird, right? Because he eventually walked again. Oh, I forgot about that. Then, okay, he, he did, huh? Actually, he All might, right. Actually, he might have died, actually, after that. I mean, another NFL player. Is Dennis Bird dead? Let's look it up. Um, inspirational. By, 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 oh, by yeah. Way, he, he's dead. Well, it's not so he, funny anymore. Yeah. So that hit might not have helped. By the way, Jay Cutler's 23,000 yards was with the Bears alone. They okay, break good. it down on pro football. Uh, yeah, his whole career, he had 35,000. Blew away Ken O'Brien. But just for the Bears, he had fewer uh, passing yards for the Bears than Ken O'Brien did with the Jets. One of the things I kept noting. Um, during this game was so they get a shot of Greg Landry offensive oh, coordinator. Call, he was on the plays. backup yep. quarterback in the game we did last week. Now he's the offensive coordinator for the Bears. That's, I kept I'd noting third, was he the backup in the playoff game? I guess so, right? Well, yeah, he was in uniform. Good old number eleven. Right, Rusty was told to go home. Had him, All right, had, yeah, oh, he, he couldn't have twelve because of Rusty Lish. He should have just right. grabbed he, it when. But you, you actually spotted him on the sidelines. Good catch. Well, yeah, I made right, fun cool. of him because he still had the white hair. That's why I said, don't they have? Didn't they have Grecian yeah. formula in nineteen eighty four? At least wear a hat. Um, so I kept noting, Greg had quite the offense to work with. The skill position guys on this team are amazing. The play right after they show him, the Bears run a crossing route uh, where the two options for Harbaugh are Cap Boso and Tom Waddle. And I just wrote, what weapons? With an exclamation point next to it. Uh The Bears ran a lot of two tight end stuff with Boso and Robocop. Yep. Um, They were without Ron Morris and his construction gloves because he was injured. So uh, basically the wideouts were, were... at, well, they went to a four wide receiver set at one point. Okay. And it well, maybe they couldn't. And maybe they only went to three. It was no, it was Waddle, Wendell yep. Davis. It was four. Waddle, yep. Wendell Davis, Dennis Gentry, and yep. Glenn Kozlowski. Yep. That was the yeah, four active wide receivers they had. Pinky got a touch and Kozlowski got a catch in overtime or fourth quarter. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Like Gentry was like a decent running back. You know, backup running back seven years earlier, they converted to wide receiver. He was a gadget player, really, for the most part. So Kozlowski was a uh, a spare bear uh, before he uh, became responsible for ear cancer for Chicagoland radio yeah. listeners. Um, at one point here, Deerdorf brags about um, – how Chicago has done such a great job of leaving a buffer between the lake and the skyscrapers. He's very impressed by that. 
and how like how in it it is. It's nice, you know, Lakeshore Drive, yeah, and guys, it's the museum park, were, and that kind of stuff. They're doing yeah, these guys were waxing poetic. They're doing chamber they, of commerce. You know, Right. Well, it was a late September game, you know, and September in the Midwest is really probably the nicest time of year. Although I looked, there's only 55 degrees kickoff, but oh, that's good football. Yeah, they, yeah, they were they were throwing rose petals in Chicago's way uh, quite a bit. And Frank day. says, "I'm impressed with how clean Chicago is." Yeah, I heard, and I wanted I him to go, "Well, because in, in New York, we just go right out and shit on the street." That's right. Wait until Rudy comes along and cleans it up. But right now, it's all whores and shit all over yep. the street in New York. Yep. yep. Um, let's see what else. I, I, think, here. I think it's around this time that we got a Freeman McNeil sighting. Yes. Which oh, and he has to wear, poor Freeman has to wear goggles because he got poked in the eye against the Bills. Right. And, you know, I'm like, hey, suck it up, Freeman. Your old teammate, Wesley Walker, played right. with, he was blind in one eye. Well, I don't know if you noticed, it was an homage to Wesley. He had one, <laughs> one of the goggles had duct tape on it. You know, it's yeah. If you look up Wesley Walker, it's pretty incredible that he had he actually had a pretty nice career. I and mean, he was, you know, he, he was a pretty really good player for a while. But yeah, wide receiver, blind in one eye. So we used to make here talk about another dead guy. We used to make Wesley Walker jokes about Stuart Scott. Oh, <laughs> but there was a reason for better. there was a reason for that. Now Stuart obviously had the one lazy eye. Lazy eye. He was, he was basically out. blind in it. He was doing a report from Jets camp for for SportsCenter, and he was catching passes off the jugs gun, and apparently it went faster than he thought, and he got hit in that eye, which he already had limited vision in, and it basically blinded him. So that's wow. why we always – I would tell that story, and then we talk about Wesley Walker. And so, in fact, for a long wow. time, we called Stuart Scott Wesley Walker. Wow. Hey, Rich that's... Eisen and Wesley Walker doing SportsCenter tonight. <laughs> And now he's dead. Hope you're happy. Andy. Yeah, I didn't want him. You know, doing rooting for his dad. Oh, yeah, I felt bad. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how things we take for granted in the game today. Um, Al Toon makes a catch. Mark Carrier spears him in the back. No penalty. Yeah. Just play on. That's what we do. We tackle guys with our helmet. Yeah, there are a couple of those. And then Kenny O'Brien, nice pass to Rob Moore down the sidelines. Looks like the Jets are going to have the ball at the Bears 5. Bad job by Rob Moore. Only got one foot down. He had plenty of room to get the other. He didn't do – there was no toe-drag swag from Rob Moore in 1991. Um, So then the Jets have to punt. You know, real quick, because I don't know where it came up, but I ha- I, I, I want to make sure we don't we don't I fail that we don't fail to mention it. The th- the thing where Al was ragging on Ken O'Brien, Al at one point in the game, and I can't find it here. I know I wrote it down, but he said that Ken O'Brien is the only player in NFL history to throw more than 100 touchdown passes, but never record a rushing touchdown. Wow! And uh, yeah, I was blown away by that, and I'm like, I'm sure I am absolutely certain that that is still true. So, something uh, for yeah. us or somebody out there to look up. I mean, can you imagine that? Like you're that you play that long, you never get the thrill once of scoring it. How the hell? How are you that inept at just carrying the ball? It's just it fun fact. So, um, James Rouse catches a screen pass and fumbles at the bare thirty-six. Uh, and Rouse. then Scott Mercereau, who actually had a good game for the Jets, was injured on the play. 
We didn't know who it was. All you could just see, there was a jet down, all the bodies around him. Al says, through a little detective work, I think it's Mercero, because I see a four, and he's the only guy with a four whose number ends with four on the defense, which is pretty good. But it reminded me of, although a spotter may have told Al all that, I don't know. <laughs> did we decide Gary Bender only did one year with the Bears? Was he a one-year no. fill-in? Okay, so during one uh, of his two years, I think it was a game in Green Bay, one of the, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Green Bay, one of the opponents, one of the Packers, I guess, got, was, was injured, and Gary said who it was. It was one other thing, you could barely see who it was, but he said who got hurt. And then a f- few seconds later, everybody moved, and he had to correct himself. Oh, it wasn't this guy, it's this guy. And on the post game, some fan called in to complain to whoever was hosting the postgame and went off for like five minutes about how terrible that was. That Gary got the, got the uh, guy's name wrong. What if the guy's mother was listening to the game? I think I remember this. And thought that her son had gotten hurt. And then what about the mother who was listening and thought her son was fine? It sounds like a bit. And then all of a sudden, she finds out her son. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are grown men and right. who play football for was- a living. And were we really worried about poor Gary Bender got a guy's n- number wrong for like yeah. a minute? And this, and this guy was, was seething. Oh, yeah, he was he pissed. Could, he, he couldn't wait to get on the phone after the game. <sighs> He's probably dead now. Yeah. That's the theme of dying. Everybody dies. Yeah, everybody dies. We're like Livia Soprano. It's all a big nothing. Um, so after the fumble, Bear D, quick change. Bear Defense comes out. So got to save. Got to save poor James Rouse's ass. Yep. And um, on third down, Ken O'Brien makes a pass to throws a pass to Blair Thomas. It would have been a first down right on the sidelines. Blair drops it. On the replay, Al Toon wide open in the middle of the field. Yep. Announcers all over him. Basically, somebody says, well, he did throw. Blair was open too. And they're like, yeah, but throw to the wide receiver. Don't throw the running right. back 12 yards down the field. So out trots um, Pat Leahy. Pat Leahy? Yeah. 40-year-old Pat Leahy. 37-yard field goal. Never misses. Do they show the stat about how good he was under 40 yards before or after? Yeah. Uh, I don't recall anything that – at this point, Pat Leahy was like – well, he was 40. and he, It would turn out to be his last season. So uh, most of the things they were propping him up with were like – I, I, yeah, it, it was uh, at one point his longest field goal of the season was 40 yards. His career long was 55. I think Al points out that it happened like in 1983, which at this point was eight years earlier. He came into the league in 74. Yeah. Um, so he misses it. James Rouse off the hook. We're still tied at three. Uh, Frank points out that the Jets are playing with a five-man line to stop the Bears' run, begging them to pass. Which you should. Not a bad strategy. Uh, um, yeah, even with the Malpra- uh, defensive coordinator malpractice, if you don't. And who is the defensive coordinator of the 1991 Jets? The ever histrionic Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Who, who went on to become a head coach of the Jets and also became a head coach of the Patriots. There's sort of an interchangeable thing there. There's a thing in the early 90s. You weren't a, a, a Patriots or Jets coach if you didn't have nondescript Pete Carroll coaching your team at some point, uh, long before he became I – mean, he's still considered a goof, but back then he was an unsuccessful yes. goof. Now, he, so. now he's a 
guy who successful a, guy who won a Super yeah, he's Bowl won, and he's couple won, of won national championships. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, just like with Belichick, right? As this game is going on, Bill Belichick's in his first year in Cleveland had a decent run, but he was not considered anything special until the you know uh, the the numbers came up when he went to New England. So it's funny to think of that. You know, these guys were not rousing successes from from Jump Street. You know, Pete Carroll was like he was like a guy. It's it's funny they they they're talking about how youthful. Pete Carroll looks. It's 30 years ago. So he's in his 70s now. And he still looks youthful. So, yeah, he's got good genes or yeah. something. I got to say, yeah. Yeah, he's been around a long time, man. It's funny. He's their defensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, a bear tradition lives on. On a third and nine, they throw a four-yard pass to Wendell Davis. Gives him fourth and, then- and five from the Jets' 40. Yeah, and then, of course, that curly-haired bastard, Maury Buford, puts it right into the end zone. Which did deserves for punting from the 40. Yeah, right. Yeah, just go for it. Then we get the first of many, an incessant amount of promos for the big Saturday night game, Saturday morning game. Deardorff is stunned by the time. They're playing at noon central, or noon yeah, Deardorff Eastern. Gets, Deardorff gets stunned by a few things that were just common He's knowledge. Like, oh, I can't believe it. It's like, every, every, every yeah, they've right. been playing college football games at 11 o'clock in the Midwest for 40 years. You played them at Michigan, yeah, I'm sure. Right, right. You were in the Eastern time zone. Yeah. I mean, of course, I guess they played later for them, but yeah. So the, the, the big matchup is the number one team in the nation, the Florida Bobby Bowden and the Florida State Seminoles against the number three Michigan Wolverines. And Dan is excited. It's going to be great. He gets all gooey about it every time they show it. Do you know what the final score of that game would be? <laughs> you got to tell me. Florida State, 51. Michigan, 31. Well, they put up 31. Yeah, but, I'm sure they yeah. are. Just like they would. It's basically the way every Ohio State game goes for them now. Right. Hey, we scored 30. Yeah, and you gave up. 55. Way to go. Banner day for uh, Elvis Gerbach. That was the year that they finally beat Notre Dame on that fourth and one where Desmond Howard caught the diving catch. And, uh, yeah, Heisman and Howard won the Heisman. So were these the, were they the Gary Moeller? Was it the the Gary Moeller Wolverines? Pre-drunken public meltdown. Yeah, Yeah, no, Mary Gary was riding high. Right. Great. They finally beat Notre Dame for the first time in about six or seven years. And, uh, yeah, of course, like you said, they got trounced there against uh, FSU. But So what year did the Bears put grass in at Soldier Field? 88. 88. Okay, so this is the third year, fourth. Fourth season. Dan, finger on the pulse, says it's really excellent. It's, it never, actually, it's never been really excellent. No, it? although. Was I, it better I actually, then? No, Cap would disagree when, he's, when yeah, he ended up yeah, with no. half the end zone in his face. And I and I have other options. There are other plays I saw where you just see, like even on my worst swing on the on the on the tee box, <laughs> I had never pulled a divot up. Like I mean, just clumps like the size of your your thigh. So and that I noticed it more in the second half. I guess I know in the first half it didn't really jump out to me, but over you know over time it seemed to be obvious. We see uh, the other Darren Lewis on the Bears. Yes, well, I had to. The, the, I'm like, wait a minute, which? And then they said, well, we we talked about Texas this. The other, the other one, the Cub Darren Lewis, also former Giant, was the one after whom Dusty Baker named his son Darren. Mm. The uh, the media prop. Are we sure, or did he really yeah. like former Bear running back Darren Lewis? 
Right. Yeah. And and I yeah, I made some reference to Darren Lewis getting slapped upside the head by Todd Berger, and that was a bad memory because I looked it up and they did not play with each other. So oh. I apologize to Darren Lewis for suggesting he got beat up by a teammate for dogging it. I thought we uh, got a, a ridiculous amount of Jay Lewenberg shots. Uh, I kept seeing him over and over again, and he you know he played special teams. He was he was a rookie. He would take over for Hilgenberg. We just changed Bergs at one point, but uh-huh. um, I think he stood out because he he didn't wear anything on his arms, you know, no pads yeah. or anything, and he just looked like this. He looked like a junior high kid running around on the field. Yeah, hopefully he bulked up before. But I'm like, God, there's Lewenberg again for Christ. He knew yeah. where the camera was, and he got in front of it a lot. Uh, at this point in the game, now the Bears had the ball back. Stan Thomas is back in. Yeah, woohoo. He's one back, Ditka's confidence, and he's in. And we get a nice shot of James Robocop Thornton. And Dan says, it's a tight end with the biggest arms in the league. And he oils them up before every game. What a loser. And Deardorff talked about him oiling up his arms again later. So Dan really liked Jim, <laughs> Dan, Jim you Thornton's like oily dudes? arms. <laughs> Come here, Danny. Bears get into field goal range. Um, oh, the play. Okay, so they have. I wrote this out of order. Uh, they have third down, and the replay. Sh- uh, Harbaugh throws an incomplete pass. The replay shows that Waddle was wide open. And but maybe Dordorf was right. He was invisible. And. I think it's Dan who says when they talk to Ditka, one of his one of his complaints about Harbaugh was that he makes up his mind before plays where he's going to throw the ball, which I absolutely I know he did. That was Harbaugh's big. It's, it, the Bears yeah, ran Mitch. a whole offense at the end of the last season where Mitch could do that. They predetermined right, right. who he was going to throw to on almost every single play. Yep, yep, this yep. is what we decide. This is year five of Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah and he still similar, can't read a defense. I, I, yeah. I'd never consider. I think because Harvard didn't have the pressure of being a third pick that the GM completely screwed up into, but uh, I, I never appreciated the similarities till now. He was a first-round pick, and he got every opportunity to excel and just really – When Mitch nah. is coaching Stanford and, and regaling the guys yeah, well, about – Harbaugh's smart, at least. About his, Mitch. about his Sun Bowl game against yeah. the Cardinals. <sighs> Boy, has one player ever gone to lunch over one game as much as Nimitz in that yeah, but didn't they lose? Didn't they? I'm pretty I sure they didn't even one. win. I know. I don't even want to talk about it. So anyway, it sets up a 45-yard field goal from Butler. It doesn't reach the end zone. Yeah, and the replay shows it didn't yeah, get no, blocked. Nobody touched it right. Like, holy <laughs> shit. You didn't kick the ball 35 yards? Yeah. I think it was an onside kick. Yeah. Uh, the thing that cracked me up about it was because I'd forgotten this. Do you remember who the holder was? It was uh, Harbaugh. Yeah, I and the center yeah. was Jay Hilgenberg. Oh my so, God! You mean you didn't have? You don't have to go out and hire long some snapper. long yeah. snapper. Your well, center can yeah. actually do it. You're just yelling at the clouds now, though, because every team they're not going back. Every team right. will always have a long snapper. But now. it cracked me up that the, uh, that the starting that quarterback was still the holder. But you it's brought like, that up you, last week when we pointed out that Brian Bashnagel yeah. somewhat logically used to be the Bears yes. holder. He was a wide receiver. wide receiver. And then it was not uncommon to have uh, quarterbacks do it. Now it's like exclusively punters, yeah. right? Is it almost it's right. always punters? They do it because they have nothing else to do in practice. That's stupid. Jesus. So they teach them how to hold. Okay. And then when and then when there's a bad snap, you're screwed. Because unless, you, unless Tom Tupa is your punter, 
Hey, let's not forget the time Brad Maynard uh, threw a touchdown pass to Brian Urlacher in RFK Stadium in oh, 2001. Yes. But that was a design play. Never mind. Remember that? Urlacher went in motion. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. So, yeah. So, yeah, Harbaugh was on the hold, but, yeah, Butler. <laughs> Butler, uh, I don't know what that kick was. So the game remains tied at three. I mean, and, you know, I mean the, it's funny. The guys were all sure it was blocked. They show the replay. No, it wasn't blocked. Just a terrible yeah. kick. The Jets are kind of shoving the ball down the Bears' throat mm-hmm. at this point. We're, we're getting toward, close to halftime. There's a play where, where Blair, Blair Thomas is already over 60 yards in the first half, there, and then I look up and Fridge just falls over. Um, I think at one point they point out that Fridge is now up to 360 yeah. pounds. I mean, and you can see it. It's it's sad and funny at the same time. Um, yeah. The um, They give us a stat that Ken O'Brien has started – Three for 12 and has thrown eight incomplete passes in a row. And then I saw in the notes you took, you took a screen cap of this. Al talks about uh, what's coming up tomorrow night on ABC. And he talks about this great new show, Home Improvement. Yeah. The weird thing to me was, so they showed from 7 to 10 Chicago time. Yeah. Full House, Home Improvement, Roseanne. And then Homefront, which is the yeah. picture they had of some chick in the 40s. That's right. That doesn't, that doesn't make up three hours. Right. It's two and a half. Yeah, you, usually so it's, it's what four, was the it's, double episode? Who are we getting? We're getting you, two full houses? That's a good point. Yeah, or was it a 90-minute Homefront? They didn't most explain schedules it. Were, I got to know. Like, like between 7 and 9 Central, it would be four sitcoms, half hour each, and then yeah. a drama from 9 to 10. Or were they, maybe or like LS is having a special with Marianne right. Childers and Floyd Kelber talking about the the serial killer dentist or whatever it was that they right no the chiropractor happened. that was killed gangland style well, and that's displays right. that's right so yeah and the graphics by the way on their um, outside of the football program is really I'm no design geek but it's really an eyesore yeah. um, and I'm glad it doesn't exist anymore um, Jets get into Jets are driving but then there are back to back tackles for losses by Trace Armstrong and Richard Dent. And now the clock is running down, and the Jets don't seem to be paying attention. And they've, their field goal team is muddle, muttering around on the field or whatever. And who calls timeout with two seconds to go in the half? The Bears! Oh, I didn't even catch that the Bears called the timeout. Both really? Te- Al says both teams are trying to call timeout. And what then the you, hear the, you hear the ref over the – he gets on the thing, and he goes, timeout, Bears. Oh my God! Now I'm sure the Jets were probably going to get their timeout called, regardless. But yes. Yes. you called timeout with two seconds left in the half, so that the Jets could kick a field goal. Yep, yep. That's nice job, genius coach. I'm sure the Bears didn't have like they probably somebody probably wasn't on the field, so they're calling timeout. So, but, so what? But take a yeah, it's a field goal. Take a risk. Maybe they'll run out of time and they won't get the field goal off. Yeah. But the Bears helpfully called timeout for the Jets. And Pat Leahy converts another 19-yard field goal. 34. Something, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, a little bit further out. Yeah. Okay. So, then well, we so get a, penalty, a penalty would have been a little bit costly. Then we're off still. to halftime. And, you know, there's no Howard Cosell. There's no halftime highlights. There's, there's right. three. You know, you know ABC who I and really ESPN heard. don't have. ABC has right. body ESPN yet. No Chris Berman. You know who I haven't heard from today? Mike Ditka. Let, let's, let's talk to Ditka at halftime. So I will admit I didn't watch 
I didn't watch the Ditka interview, so you can. I did. At one point, Al asked him, if, uh, is the accumulation of money important to you? I had to laugh at that. And then the next one was, Al says, could you ever coach another team? Ditka says, no. I laughed at that, although Ditka did say, um, you know, things can change, and that he also hopes to live to be 130 just to piss people off, which I actually laughed at because yeah. it was funny, even though he was being a dick. Um, and... Yeah, that was it. Not too much insight. At one point, they mentioned that Ditka was starting to talk about the Middle East, and I'm just kind of rolling my eyes. But, yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, he'll run for uh, Senate someday. Well, it was the next year when Carol Mosley Brown knocked out uh, uh, Alan Dixon, and, uh, and, 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 that's what got Ditka involved in politics. He, they had to register him to vote, though, first. He was starting to, starting to express his opinion in their, uh, the, the Jim Williamson campaign, the guy who ran against Mosley Brown for the Republicans. I think it was Jim Williamson. Uh, Richard Williamson, perhaps, was his name. Uh, and that they wanted to get Ditka to, to campaign for him. And they're like, oops, he's not registered to vote. Let's take care of that first. <laughs> so. But anyway, after the interview... Um, you know, the, the crew is like, can the Jets' biggest win since they knocked the Giants out of the playoffs in 1988? And from a 1991 Bears fan perspective, you get to sort of scoff at that. Yeah. Um, wow, that's be the biggest win. Yeah, and that's when Marianne Childers, we got a cut of the WLS TV Eyewitness News promo. Uh, apparently, there's an Indiana chiropractor killed in displays, <laughs> a gangland style. And I'll, I'll have to find that one somewhere. Oh. Yes, so. She tells us to join her and Floyd Calber for a special one-hour eyewitness news. Imagine how pissed Marianne and Floyd yeah. were yeah. when this game – well, we don't want to give it away. But let's just say it takes a while to yeah. finish. They're sitting around yeah, yeah, going, yeah. all right, right, everybody's going to bed. Nobody's going to watch our hour-long sure eyewitness news. Right, right. Yeah, Floyd is dozing off. <laughs> um, he's probably an early riser, so they just woke him up at midnight. and He thought it was yeah. like 4 a.m. Right. He, he had to go pee and walk the dog. Um. Second half starts, and they talk about how Mike Singletary has announced before the season he was going to retire, but now he wasn't so sure, and he didn't. He played 1992. Some fans might tell you that he probably should have retired uh, by then, I think. He had a good Um, farewell game. Against the against Steelers? Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. you know, and much like Singletary patch that was nice. He had a good game. Much like where Ryan Sandberg's last game at Wrigley Field also, in retrospect, turned out to be Harry Carey's last game at Wrigley Field. Uh, Mike Singletary's last game at Soldier Field, and it turned out, turned out to be Mike Ditka's yep. last game as a coach at Soldier Field. Um, Deardorff only makes a cursory reference to the eyes, thank God. I mean, Monday Night Football went, went to lunch for a long time on Singletary's eyes, but they didn't really do it. Uh, you know, they didn't really do it in this game. We don't, uh, the other thi- you go could, ahead. You could go the whole game and forget he was playing. Yeah, he didn't I, except any. for a costly penalty he has late yeah. in the game. But, oh, that's right. Uh, but yeah, the other thing, Deardorff said he bemoans the Bears averaging less than 100 yards for such a great rushing team. I mean, but are they really? It's just one of those bromides that yeah. Deardorff spouts. Ah, the team. If you're not red, right. green, because yeah. because we're on the downside <laughs> of Neil. We are Neil Anderson had three straight 1,000 yard seasons. Um, well, maybe this was one of them. So it might nope. have been his last one. No, no it wasn't. Yeah, no. they were on the he's downside. Only got, this is, he's only got two years left when they played. It was 88, 88, 89, 90 were Anderson's years. Yeah, no, so like, you know. Yeah, he had a really the, good year the year before. And this year, yep. he's, they talk about it. He's, um, oh, they talk about it almost right here. It, they, they, the two 
concepts, they don't ever seem to marry together, which I found really funny. They talk about how he had a big run against the Giants, and it was kind of a breakout because he was only averaging 3.1 yards per carry. He'd gone to Ditka and Johnny Rowland and said, what am I doing wrong? And then later, and then a few sentences later, they're like, oh, by the way, um, Neil's mom passed away not too long ago, and his dad is in jail because he allegedly murdered his girlfriend. Do you I was think like, maybe what? any of those things are related? Maybe, maybe there's a reason well, Neil's not playing very well. I was so shocked to hear that. And then after it wore off, then I did sort of vaguely. Yeah, I, I remembered that. but Kind of remember that. But I completely I mean, forgot that. All I remember that. about Neil was I really, he was one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite Bears of all time. I know. You mentioned on the that. field. And that he, um, he played the piano in a car yep. commercial. Which they featured him on a Monday Night Piece one time playing piano. That's I what remember. I remember about Neil. Or an ESPN piece. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they, they don't really give us much warning coming into that news. Uh, it's just like, yeah, his mom died. Oh, that's sad. And his dad murdered his girlfriend, uh, allegedly. So, so the, Neil had some things going on. Jets have the ball. The Bears have the ball. The Jets have the ball. The, yeah. the Jets pump back to the Bears. And Johnny Bailey, fair catches the punt at the seven-yard line. But there's a flag. Yeah. So, all right. Penalty on the Jets. Make him kick it again. This will be much yeah. better. Jets down the ball at the five. So good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the on the ensuing uh, drive, Harbaugh drops back very confidently, airs it out down the middle of the field. There is no one within thirty yards of the pass. And then they show the replay, and Wendell Davis has run a uh, has run a corner route. Not a bomb. And they're like, oh, I wonder wonder who screwed that up. Like, I think I know. Yeah. And I think he's number four. That's why they screwed it up. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now um, when the Jets get the ball back, Frank starts talking about Blair Thomas. And now it's a good time. I want to talk about Blair Thomas. Yeah. First former first round pick out of uh, Penn State. The Blair Thomas, quote, has a chance to be one of the real great ones. Okay, Frank. So Blair Thomas, we'll second pick in the draft in the year 1990. Before, I say. Yep, he's in the second season now. So he's really early in his career in which he was very highly. Also not, a, know, great, also not a great draft. Uh, Jeff George went ahead of him. And then, um, oh, that's right. The third and the fifth picks in the draft went to the Hall of Fame. Cortez Kennedy and Junior Seau. Okay. Well, Bears got Mark Carrier in that draft. They, they did, did right after the Seattle. year. They wanted Seattle bad, and they ended up with uh, Carrier. Wow. That, would have, that would have been going from Singletary to Seattle would have been like going from uh, Favre to Rogers. Just like, I don't remember who it was. They The Aaron Donald draft, the Bears were sure they were going to get him. Wow. They were all excited. And they were like, well, and one, I even heard, who was it? I don't remember who the GM was. That was probably Jerry, right? Or it was probably, maybe it was after Jerry Angelo. Phil, nah, but it was Jerry. What year? Sorry. I don't know when Donald was. I, all I know is their thing was, oh, the Donald, only team yeah. we think, you know, the team right ahead of us isn't going to take him. It's the Rams. They've got, and they were ticking off all the guys on the defensive line, like Chris Long. And they did. They had like yeah, four really yeah. good. And uh, they're like, no, he's the best player in the draft. We're going to pick him. So the Bears didn't get him. It was probably after Jerry. I'm guessing probably Phil Emery. Yeah. Well. That, that, was, that was such a brief period. Lucky for uh, <laughs> Lucky for Aaron Donald then. Yeah, right. Would probably would have had the same career. So Blair Thomas, second pick in the draft, and he would 
He'd play four years for the Jets, and he would gain a total of 2,009 yards. He played... Yep. Uh, he played two games for the Cowboys, four games for the Patriots, and seven games for the Panthers, and he was done at the age of 28. And I, as you're going to see later on, I'm going to blame Steve McMichael. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned earlier Al Rippon on the and the, this is what Al says specifically. Um, and, the, and the Jets are winning this game, right? And so now the crew is trying to prop up this narrative. Jets are going to turn, you know, turn a corner. Michael says they've been trying to turn this corner for a couple of decades, and that's when I was like, well, again, they went to the championship game uh, eight years ago, nine years ago. Easy, Al. Um, but yeah, that we're we're rolling into the fourth quarter, scintillating game. Yeah. So on the drive, the Jets are getting close to the end zone. They're up 6-3. Deardorff says, and he's not wrong, if the Jets score a touchdown and make it 13-3, to the Bears are not a great comeback team. It's basically, they're going to have an insurmountable 10-point deficit, and it's still late, but it's late in the third quarter. And they're already like, oh, yeah. God, if the Bears get down 10, they're done. Yeah. And I'm sure sitting in room, what room is I in? 10-20? Grant South A? Uh, I was like, yeah. if they score freshman here, year college. it's over. We're screwed. Uh-huh. Um, looks like the Bears are going to stop him, but Marcus Paul gets called for pass interference in the end zone, puts the ball in the one, and Brad Baxter takes it in from a yard out to make it 13-3 to Jets. The bruising halfback. When the Bears get the ball back, Harbaugh throws a pass. It's showing how low Deardorff has lowered the bar for him. Compliments him on throwing a spiral. Here's a pat on the head. Here's a pat on the head. Yeah, I, I, the Bears get a couple first down. Now they're down 13 3. Harbaugh does get him to, to, to midfield, right? Yep. And he draws a false start, and then the quarter ends, and then you can actually hear the fans booing. Yep. So 3 0 Bears are getting booed as we change sides for uh, one last quarter or so. You would and it's think. funny because the way it happens, there's a false start with two seconds left. And then they restart the clock, and they, they announce that it's the end of the third quarter, and it sounds like the Bears, the fans are booing the end of the quarter. And that's the end of the third <laughs> quarter. Boo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, then, yeah. Yeah, Butler kicks a 43-yard field goal with 12.51 to go. It's 13-6. to six. Um, We get a second reference of Dan Deardorff talking about RoboCop oiling up his arms. I think Dan's got a little crush. Um. Oh, Richard Dent, I guess right before that, absolutely lights up Ken O'Brien on a sack, which I enjoyed. Yeah. And then it becomes Tommy Waddle time. Now the game gets interesting. Because they just announced that, um, that Wendell Davis has seven catches for 80 yards, but Tom is like, ah, that's nothing. I'm going to blow right by poor Wendell. Um, oh, actually, the first catch on this drive that's a big one is, is Wendell's seventh catch, and it's a great diving catch. Um, but he was wide open, and Harbaugh's throw made him dive for it. So, and uh, again, he's he did that, Mitch Harbaugh. He did that, yeah, he did that the rest of the game. Before you go any further, I, I did make a note as we get into the fourth quarter. Dan Dierdorf, after another college football promo, makes the suggestion that Jason Verdusco is a Heisman Trophy mm. candidate. Yes. And I just had to 
enter that. For the he record. also wore. Uh, he was wearing Jack Trudeau's number ten for the Illini. Jason Verduzco. So anyway, five foot eight inch Jason Verduzco. Wanted to make sure that that didn't go unmentioned. So the Bears are driving. the 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 game is starting to to slip away. We're down under four minutes now. Um. Wendell makes a catch. Actually, this is the Wendell Davis drive. Wendell makes a catch down to the eight, second and two. Neal gets a first down, five yard. Uh, it's first and goal. And then who do you give it to? First and goal from the five. Give it to Darren Lewis. Yes. He gains none. Then who do you give it to? Give it to James Rouse. How about, how about James Rouse? Yeah. He gets yeah. to the uh, four. Third and goal. Give it to Neal. He gets a, he gets a yard. Yeah, fourth you know, and goal from the three. Bears are fucking around. There's like four minutes left, and they this need a is, touchdown. Right, this is it. There's a little under four minutes to go. You're down by seven. You've got to You've got to get a touchdown, yeah. or you're worried there's, that the Jets are going to run the clock out on you. The game's going to be over. Bears, Bears get the shotgun. Three thirty-seven. They call a timeout. Yeah, and they get the shotgun. Right. For yeah, you can't time. come up with this play on your own. You got to. You need to get yeah, all everybody's yeah. heads need to get together. Yep, and they're like at the two and a half, three yard line, fourth and goal, ball game. Shotgun. Harbaugh on the shotgun. Quarterback draw, which everybody in the stadium knew was coming, including the Jets. <laughs> Jimmy gets lit up at the one. Bears are scouted. Yeah. Michaels calls it the two-inch line. It's close, but he didn't get there. So it's 13-6 to six with 331 left, and the Jets immediately get a first down. Yep. Blair Thomas looking good. He's having a nice game, that Blair Thomas. Bears call their last timeout with 2.25 to go. Al says the obvious. The Jets' first down is going to end it. Blair, yeah. yeah, you're right. Blair had 90 carries for 100 yards at that point. And uh, I think Frank says, uh, I think the Jets' future is now. So now the narrative is starting to ooze into the broadcast, right? It's, right. Things are looking grim for the Bears. Jets, who just battled the AFC Conference champ Bills the week before, putting the team together, going into Chicago, take them down to Monday night. It's, it's, it's happening. So uh, I guess after the Blair Thomas run, there's a flag. Well, wait, there's first down for the Bears 12, and then Tom, so Thomas gets them the first down. Right. They're at the 12 now. They're out from, you know, where Harbaugh got tackled. Uh, Thomas gets tackled around the line of scrimmage for second down. Okay. But yeah, now he's at 19 carries. So on the second down play, uh, Thomas picks up a couple yards, right? So we're, we're looking at like a third and seven. So the Bears still have life. They got, they got to get off the field. Third and seven's coming up, but yeah, there's a flag. And what is it? It's on the Bears. Ron Cox. Personal not foul Ron, on Ron Cox for hitting, the, for shoving, not even hitting, for uh, shoving Jets center Trevor Maddich. It was infuriating, you moron, Cox. And not, even no. Al points out that kind of stuff happens after plays all the time. He goes, he didn't swing at him. He just shoved Second him. guy. So it's yeah. personal foul. Ron Cox has screwed the Bears. Game's over. They're going to lose. Uh, and there are some snapshots of Ditka again, not being privy to HD, but you can tell he's absolutely boiling. Yep. There's one that shows he's furiously chewing his gum into a dry powder, uh, and and then and then at one point you see him sort of turn to his left. Cox has come back to the sidelines. Like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. And you just see Ditka like barking. It's you know is, is he telling it Cox? And, you, and then you find out later it is because the camera shows when Cox is just a couple feet and then yep. you know next to him and behind him. Uh, of course, Ditka's not going to let that go unspoken. So, so 
Jets were on the ball for two yards, and now we're at the two-minute warning. When Al Michaels says this. Yep. Barring disaster, yep. the Jets will have a very happy flight back to New York. I, I wrote it down exactly. And the New York Jets, barring disaster, will have a happy plane ride. <laughs> it's over, folks. Second down coming out of the two-minute warning. So the very next play, give it to Blair Thomas. Why not? He's been killing the Bears all day. Huh? Having a fun game. And all of a sudden, Stephen Michael has the ball. Such a great play. <laughs> and they show on the replay, he's being blocked. His, his left arm is completely being engulfed by a jet. He reaches out with his right arm and just steals the ball away from Blair Thomas. All in one motion. Like, it was never, he never even touched the ground. And then he, he gets up and he up. does the very Steve McMichael thing where he hikes his pants up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not I wearing mean, any yeah. hip pads or butt pad. It's just, you know, and there he is. Yeah. One, of the, one of the great plays of Bear history. Yeah, sure was. Al Michaels tells us, I'll tell you something, Ron Cox just paid the balance of Stevie Michaels' mortgage. Yep. <laughs> so now the Bears Here have the ball. It's still down seven. First yeah. and ten on the Jet 36 with a minute 54 to go. Yep. And on the first play, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is called for in, in the grasp. Remember, that was a rule. Dennis yep. Bird with a sack back to the 45. Second and 19 at the 45. Second and 19. Okay. The next play, Harbaugh throws into triple coverage. Bears are gonna, yeah, Bears are going to squander this, aren't Third they? Third and 19. They're going to squander this opportunity. By the way, this is the point where Dan Deardorff shows he's never bought a ticket to the game when he claims a whole lot of people in the parking lot wondering yeah. what the noise is, hustling back to their seats. Um, Dan, you know you can't reenter the building once you've walked out. Nice to know that uh, you've never had to pay for a ticket. So, third and 19. Bears don't have a play for third and 19. But what do you do? You throw it near Tommy Waddle. Absolutely. And Tommy Waddle steals the ball yeah. from James Hasty. Just pulls ridiculous. it away from him to set up a fourth and four. And then showing just what kind of faith they have in their plucky quarterback from Michigan. Fourth and four, game on the line. If you don't get a first down, it's over. They're going to draw to Neil Anderson, and he gets Chuck the first draw to number 35. Yeah, Ditka loved him that freaking third and long draw. Or fourth and short draw. They, but he got it. They Neil got the first down. On the next play, the Bears get an incredible break. Well, uh, Harbaugh spiked the ball, right? Oh, no, no, no. That was later. Never mind. I Waddle think. catches a pass at the 14. And for, when you see it live, you can't believe they stopped the clock. You can't believe that they called him out of bounds. On the replay, yeah. his feet on the terrible Soldier Field turf uh-huh. literally slide out of bounds. On a normal yeah. field, he's in bounds. Yeah. And you think, oh, big yep. deal. There's, you know, there's like 50 seconds to go or whatever. But the Bears are going to need every second, as we find out. So they're yes. very lucky that Waddle slid out of bounds. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so that was actually the second down play because they spiked it on, on okay. third down. Um, so it's third and two now, a minute five left. And so uh, Throw a pass to Neal, and he gets to the seven. Yeah. So first and yeah, goal. First, first thing goal. A minute to go. Uh, then Neil runs to the Neil runs to the floor. <laughs> sets up second Brian. goal, and Frank is yelling for them to kill the clock. Which you know, is kind of with a normal offense, maybe you do that. But the Bears are going to need all the downs. Yeah. Because then on and then on second and goal, Harbaugh gets sacked again. So, second time on this drive. Great field awareness. Get, don't don't ever throw the ball away. Just get sacked. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Third and goal from the nine. 
Harbaugh scrambles, gets to the five. Yep. yep. Clock is tick, 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 tick. There's only 10 seconds left, and you can't spike the ball because it's fourth down again. Bears are frantically trying to get to the line. Yeah, Frank is like, spike it. Like, no, Frank, don't spike it. And they throw to Neil Anderson, sliding backwards. Another shitty pass, by the way. Yeah, Basically, it's at his, at his Neil's open. The ball's at his feet. He has to yeah. at, he has to catch it on the shoe tops while sliding backwards to end up in the end zone. Crazy with catch. no time remaining to We're make nine. it. 13 to 12. And of course, now is the time where Dan Deardorff has to bluster that Jim Harbaugh has arrived. Yeah, I'd say Jim Harbaugh has arrived. It's like, believe what? It or not, that's not even the what first time. He's forcing that narrative. It's just painful. And then there's actual drama as we go to kick the extra point. Just because it seems like a very bare thing to do to shank it. Butler yeah, makes yeah. it, ties it at yeah. 13. Overtime. Al tells us it's the first overtime game of the year in the NFL. Tells us that twice, but anyway. Yeah, mostly because he's mad that he still has to work. That's right. I was looking at. They had all their stuff packed up. They were ready. Yeah, he was, he was looking at. Yeah, make it back to the to the lounge. Um, Bears lose the toss, and I enjoyed. They showed the toss, and um, Richard Dent gives a completely unintelligible signal to the ref to show which way the Bears want to go. Uh-huh. So the ref looks at asks Dent a second time, then gives up, then just looks at the bench. Like, all right, which way yeah. are you guys going? All right, all right. Your captain didn't want to tell me. Jets do nothing on the first possession. Bears get it back in the second possession. Hey, there's, a, there's a quick uh, uh, sighting on that overtime oh. kickoff. Terrence Mathis returns it. There's a penalty. A future NFL coach, Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, that's right. A holding yes. call. I had to mention the future rando yep. NFL coach who I didn't know was a player. So. Oh, and then uh, Dan Deardorff uh, at one point. Yeah, Kenny O'Brien's going to struggle to be heard. It's the second time they've done that. I got news for you. I know you can hear the crowd. Soldier Field is not that menacing. Uh, old Soldier Field. The right. It was way too up. open. It Sound was open. just went like, up and out over the lake. Yeah. So th- that whole thing. Uh, I mean, they literally you know, designed the stands in New Soldier Field to try to hold in some of the noise. Because and it does a better job. It does. Because it's they, more, they it's didn't more, have a yeah. home field advantage in the old one. No, uh, but that didn't stop them because earlier in the game when the Bears were uh, fighting back and O'Brien had it at midfield, and they drew a delay a game penalty. Like the refs weren't buying it, but the, but the, the but Frank and, and and Dan were like, O'Brien can't hear from them. Like it's Soldier Field, and he's in the middle of the field. He's the fifty yard line, <laughs> and, and and like I said, the refs weren't even buying it because they called the delay a game. So, but yeah, they, you know they they try to play that narrative again. But anyway, you're right. The Jets, I think they get a couple first downs, so they. Sort of flip the field, give it to the Bears. The Bears don't uh, do anything. Well, no, tragedy strikes on the first drive. Oh, James Thornton right. pulls his hamstring. Turns out to be uh, fate when this happens. First of all, not a shock that Jim Thornton, Mr. You know, Mr. Uh, uh, Musclehead, yep. uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Bodybuilder. Well, the interesting thing about it is, hurt. you know, we talked about in the um, in the 90 game, or the 91 touchdown game. Yeah. Um, he Madden tells us that he got hurt on this during warmups, yeah, and they had to carry him off the field. In this yeah. one, he pulls his hamstring and he's in horrible shape. He can barely get off the field. He plays again. Oh, he's man. in the he's game a, at the end of the game. I didn't even know that. Yep. But he's but, out for yeah. quite a while, and it forces the Bears because the Bears have, as Al points out, they only have two tight ends. They only have Cap and Robocop, uh-huh. and they're running yep. this offense, high school offense, out of the seventies. And now all of a sudden, they don't have a second tight end. 
And that's when they start. That's when Kaz is on the field and Pinky is uh, out there. And they're having to go Pinky, to four wide right. receiver sets okay. yeah, 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 because yeah, they yeah. can't go with their normal two tight ends. So anyway, Moore Buford gets off a really nice punt. And who's back there to try to down the punt? But everybody's favorite stripper cornerback, Mo Douglas, yep. who yep. is facing the wrong way. Uh-huh. He's trying to catch the ball over his shoulder. He, he gets completely spun around like yep. Yep. Uh, Julio Zaleta chasing a fly ball. Nice. It bounces behind him and slowly trickles into the end zone for a touchback. They could have pinned yep. the Jets at the five instead of the touchback. Yeah, I could have done without seeing that. Yeah, um, yeah. and then the, the aforementioned Wizenhunt actually now makes up for his holding penalty and special teams getting a 15-yard reception from, uh, from O'Brien. Get him out from under. Well, they're, they only started at their 20, so yep. right away the Jets are on the on the move. And now there are more Pat Leahy is old jokes coming from the booth. Well, there's I some great foreshadowing them. here. Um, the Jets had third and three on the on the Bears' 34. So now they're starting to talk about potential. What's Pat Leahy's field goal range? And they know it's yep. not 51 yards. Deardorff says, <laughs> incredibly, Leahy may go to the Hall of Fame. Yes. And he's oh, never sorry. been to a Pro Bowl. Yes. He's not he says, going to the Hall of Fame. He says, you know, the amazing thing about Leahy is we're looking at a guy who may go to the Hall of Fame and yet has never been to a Pro Bowl. And then later, Gifford's like, amazing. And I looked it up. Yeah, Leahy managed to be the third all-time leading scorer. George Bland is in the Hall of Fame. Jan Stenner's in the Hall of Fame. Firstly, I'm not sure Jan Stenner should be in the Hall of Fame, but nonetheless, scored more points than Leahy, played in two Super Bowls. Leahy was a fucking place kicker, a soccer player that just – Managed to hang around for almost two decades. I, no one ever at any time ever thought he'd be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, when I heard Deardorff suggest that, but then also point out that he hasn't been to a Pro Bowl, which I think you've just made the case against it. Um, I thought that that would be the dumbest thing he'd say all night, but even though we're only in overtime. Well, and then, so case. after they talk about that, then they put up a graphic that the great stat man, whatever, I don't know if it's Malibu, Kelly Hayes, or whoever their stat guy was, came up with it and it shows athletes who spent the most years with one team in New York mm-hmm. and um, said Pat Leahy has been a jet longer than Lou Gehrig was a Yankee. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, is there a reason Lou Gehrig only played 18 years for the Yankees? <laughs> Pat never caught Pat Leahy disease. No, no, That's why although- he outlasted it. Right, there might be some disease for what Pat suffers from later in this game, but well, it's coming up pretty fast because uh, yeah, yeah, because the giant, the Jets are moving, baby. Yeah. Singletary gets called. Them. We finally hear Singletary's name and number called, and it's because he gets called yeah. for roughing the passer. That puts the Jets first and ten on the eleven with three fifty nine to go. And what do the Jets do? Bruce Coslett and the Jets. I don't know if that's such a horrible decision. Deardorff is, is absolutely apoplectic. He goes, he goes on first down, he better make this kick or Bruce Coslett has made the worst call I've ever seen. You know, but you gotta I mean, like the fact that he you know, he says it before, which is good. And yes. then it just perfectly matches up with what happens. Yes. Cause Pat Leahy trots out on the field. Now this is not, this isn't Robbie Gold having to kick a 43-yard field goal in the Metrodome on second, second down Correct. with Mark Trussman. This is why I don't think it was that, it was that uh, derisive right. or that bad of a decision. Coslett, in his yards. wildest dreams, didn't think Leahy was going to miss. At the worst, he thinks, what if they block it? And, and that's if they're going to block it on first down, they could block it on fourth down. So what the, what the hell difference yeah, is it? Yeah. Leahy goes back and shanks it. Unreal. 28-yard field goal. I mean, come on. Soldier's it's, field goes wild. 
I always yep. enjoy watching. They didn't really. They got. They were so. They got all shots of the Jets. Just like, oh my god, I can't believe Mr. Field. Yeah. I always love when they show the the uh, the non-kicking team celebrating the missed field goal like they did something. Right. Like right. they're jumping up and down. Like, oh, you know. I always used right. to joke when it would happen against the Bears with Lovey that nobody plays field goal defense like the Chicago Bears. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do anything. You just they just missed. It, it would be like yeah. it's like celebrating a missed free throw. Like right. You weren't right. guarding the guy, you know. It's, right. yeah. You didn't get a hand on it. So there's 350 left now. So now we're in danger of a tie, especially with the Bears' popcorn offense, right? Yeah. And they get and they they start from their 20 basically. They have a long way to go. Um, Waddle catches the first down for nine yards, you know, and Waddle is just really getting into the the consciousness. Of the booth, yeah, they move the ball. Anderson gets five. They're they get up to their own forty-four. Three minutes left. Uh, Harbaugh lofts one to Wendell at the Jets twenty, but Wendell just can't pull it in. He basically drops it. Yep. Okay. Um, you know we're third and five. We're told that the Bears are one for ten and third third and more than four all night. And then Harbaugh gets flushed out of the pocket, goes to his right, throws back across his body toward the middle of the field. Where who else? Tom Waddle. Makes the grab for 18 yards. Now the booth is now just starting to slobber all over him. Yeah. Deardorff is like, where did he come from? And this is about the time when Al and Dan start wondering out loud if there's a two-minute warning in overtime. Yeah. And there is, right? There is. Yeah. They I have to be that told that, but they're like, what? Okay, good. Yeah. And, there's like, and yeah. Al's like, well, let's see how they play it. Just like the fourth quarter. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't know that 30 seconds ago. But they're still not in field goal range because this is 1991, and the, the Bears, you know, Jets yeah, have 40-year-old. Who, who do you go to now when you need when you need a big play? Who do you go to? Has you go to Glenn Kozlowski? That's you go right. to Kozlowski, number 88, baby. So he gets to the 42, and then the Jets jump off sides. So now the Bears have it as a 37. 54-yard field goal if you try now. Harbaugh run. They run Harbaugh on a bootleg. He throws to Wendell for 12 yards. Neil runs for a yard, bears the ball to 24, and that's when they break out the stat that they're very impressed by, that this is the 170th overtime game in NFL history, and there have only been yes. 13 ties, because they're yes. very concerned that this one's going to be a tie, because the Bears aren't going to be able to score from the 24. Well, and just like taking a page out of the Dan Deardorff school of outsized reaction, Al says, I'll tell you what, if they wind up in a tie, it'd be unbelievably unusual. I mean, is is thirteen ties in seventeen years that unbelievable? No. It's rare, um, but these guys are tired. You know, it's been a long night, and you're right; they're they're worried that they're going to end up broadcasting a game that ends in a tie. They're basically like Dusty would make this mistake. Um, you tell the starting pitcher that they're done, and then you rally for a few runs, and then you're like, "Oh, can you give me one more inning?" That was the Monday night booth. Yeah. Before yeah. the Blair Thomas fumble, they were done. And all of a sudden it was yeah. like, oh, can you give me another? And it's another hour. Because when yeah. you're watching I, I, the right. game, I kept doing the thing where I'd hit up and go, like, how is there 50 minutes of this broadcast <laughs> I know. left? I know. Yeah. <laughs> was, well, and we mentioned earlier, Gifford, I, I, I was sort of defending Gifford and their points where he was lucid. He pulls out of his ass a Monday night game. That was a tie, and and then connect, he pulls all, he pulls in his inner Virgil Patrick Hughes and tells Dan that Dan played in this game. It was the Cardinals versus the Giants, and Dan remembers it. Uh, so I was kind of I was actually we're, we're taking shots mostly at Theodore, and it's justifiable. Uh, but yeah, there are some points where I, I had to say I was a little bit impressed that Gifford still you know sometimes would 
you know, blurt something out that had some clarity and accuracy. So, <laughs> but yeah, we got 45 seconds left. Bears are at the 24, right? Second and nine. Yep. And now Har- one of Har- the one of the immortal plays in the history of the Chicago Bears is about to uh-huh. happen. Yep. When who about- is when who do the Jets lose in the middle of the field? None other than Casper Boso. Yep. Yeah, how, yeah. Harbaugh uh, fakes a handoff to Neil Rose right, and he's wide open there at the four. RoboCop substitute. Yep. Catches the ball, slides into the end zone, mostly face first. Turf, a couple guys. Turf yep. stuck all over his face mask that he can't see out of it. We don't see that yet. We just see him maybe cross the goal right. line, right? Michael yells is in ecstasy. Yeah, the game ends on a touchdown. The Jets are running off the field. The Bears are running off yeah. the field. Tim Weigel is running onto the field with his yep. camera crew. Yeah, he gets mentioned by the ABC crew. Local legend Tim Weigel was interviewing Harbaugh. Uh, of course, uh, the day wouldn't be complete without Deardorff uttering one last idiotic whatever. Amidst the celebration and Coslet walking off, he shouts, he just shouts, Bears football. Yeah. I'm like, all right, thanks, Dan. Uh, what does that even mean? And then they break um, out the puns. So they show the, on the replay, you see the sod stuck to yeah, Cap's yeah, face. Yeah, creature from the Soldier Field turf. And Al says, here's mud in your eye. And Dan <laughs> says, he's been called a clod before, but not a sod, which is just awful. I, uh, it's not funny. I, you know, it's not why'd clever. You have to top Al? Al nailed it. He, he had the bon mot. Why'd you have to, yep. why'd you have to Dan? Always got to be the topper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So turns out, though, the officials decide they also doesn't score the touchdown. So this is when replay was basically like college. Well, there were no I looked challenges. it up. I, this was actually the last season of replay until 19, I think it came back in 1999. So it came out in 86. Uh, I, I, I found a pretty good article actually from the NFL's website. It had a pretty, you know, uh, pretty detailed account. Uh, it, it was being modified. I, I, don't, I didn't quite commit it to memory, but yeah, this would have been the last season. Um, but yeah, there are no challenges. They're all booth reviews. So, right. So while the f- fans are going crazy and the media's on the field and the Jets are going home, all of a sudden it's uh oh, Cap might have been down. And then the yeah. first replay they show after they say it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, Cap's knee is down at the one. The ball's not across the line, and we're going to have to do it all over again. This is where it truly crosses into the bizarre, even with a guy with a face full of sod. Because, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh's got to break away from the Tim Weigel interview. And he's all and then, the way. Like, he's on the opposite end of the field. He's, he's beyond the other end zone, and he has to run all the way down the field. Yeah, and you see, like, Jets coming out of the tunnel piecemeal, right, coming back out. Uh, they bring up the fact that uh, William Perry may be gone from the stadium because, as yeah. we all know, he doesn't shower. Yeah. Like, he's 360 yeah. pounds. And Dan goes, guys, they're going to pull guys out of the showers. Oh, Rich, William Perry doesn't even shower. He might be home. Like, oh, what the hell is that? Come on. Yeah, we didn't need bridge. No, I, we did I not. Yeah, I was a little bit, a little bit scarred by that. I'm sure he's uh, great. And, and they keep showing the replays as they're starting out. It's just hysterical. Like Bosa gets up like like some creature crawling out of the earth and, you know, running away. And then you see like later you see Tom Waddle and another replay, like trying to pick the things out. They're trying to clear the shit out of his mask. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so iconic. It's almost like the Kale Daniels stumbling around third base. And, you know, it just, it's, this is more significant in the context of the game or maybe not. But I remember talking with my brother about 
10, 15 years ago, we're having a random conversation. Maybe it was just like, how many tight ends can you name in Bears history? And at one point, he couldn't come up with Cat Boso's name, but simply like just put his hand up, <laughs> like over his eye. And then I, I look at him and I just point to him, Cat Boso. That's, you know, he, he couldn't even say anything just by the, the visual uh, I, I was able to read. The, uh, the Cub game I would equate it to is the 1990 or the 2000. Or, the 2001 game against the Rockies, which I was at that game, is 105 when Ricky degrees. Ricky Gutierrez was, you know, got. You know who was at both? Right. You know who was at both games? By the way, right? You? Besides, no, no, I was not the Jets. No. Steve McMichael. Oh yeah, they, that's right. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe that's why it happened. That was the crazy rundown. Uh, yeah, that's a good call. That's very similar. You know, you know what? For Steve Stonevoice, all you younger kids who uh, weren't alive for this game, uh, I would equate this Bears game much like the 2006 Bears Cardinals Monday Night's game, as far as just like this sort of insane victory that the Bears probably had no business winning. You know, a much different game. Um, obviously, but as far as just like going on this wild ride, not a good football game, but entertaining and thrilling, um, that would be another comp. So they eventually get everybody back from the locker room, from the Tim Weigel interviews, from whatever else. And uh, the discussion in the booth is, should the Bears now just line up and kick the field goal? And <laughs> But because they have a timeout left, they decide, no, they should at least try one sneak with Harbaugh. If he doesn't get uh-huh. it, call timeout and keep the field, which is probably smart. So yep. the Bears, and that's what the Bears do. They run a quarterback sneak with Harbaugh who doesn't get in, but first incredibly try. lands on his he, he tries to dive over the pile, lands on his feet, uh-huh. and then slides into the end zone for a touchdown. So everybody goes crazy again. It's like, yeah, the Bears win twice, but then they have to review it again. Again, yeah. And then the only <laughs> question is, on replay even then, it was going to be a touchdown because the only way he would have been down is had they ruled forward progress, and there's no way to tell that on a replay. Well, Deardorff is obsessed with the forward progress. He's like saying, uh, you know, whether or not his forward progress was stopped. And like, I think what they're looking at, Dan, is to see if Harbaugh's knee yes. touched the ground. It never stopped. It was never. And they're not looking at forward progress, you goof. Yeah, he couldn't even make it through the last couple of minutes without one last just Oh, but it gets better statement. from Dan. So – they finally, the ref comes out and says, the play, play stands, touchdown, Bears win. Yep. Everybody goes crazy. What does Dan yell again? With dramatic effect, by the way. Jim He's Harbaugh already, has arrived. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh. Pregnant pause. Yes, Har- and you're arrived. right, and that's how he always says it. Harbaugh instead of Harbaugh. And, and, and it's Wolverine like the second thing. time he said it, again, he was force feeding us that this narrative the whole night. And, you know, and he did almost ditch it. Like I said, he lowered the bar at one point. Um, but yeah, that he was, he was going to get that narrative across come hell or high water that Jim Harbaugh has arrived. Uh, and we were, you know, before long, we were wondering when Jim Harbaugh would depart. Yep. So the stars of the game, Jim Harbaugh. Yep. 28 of Harbaugh. For 303 uh-huh. yards and a touchdown. He was sacked twice. Didn't throw an interception. Not that he didn't try. Ran six times for 12 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Neil Anderson, eh, 19 for 76. Not terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, caught four passes for 20 yards and the touchdown to tie the game. Uh, little Tommy Waddle, eight for 102. Wendell Davis, nine for 96. So Okay. Pretty okay. Can't get on him for dropping that pass too much. Wendell had a nice game. Kenny O'Brien, after, started, after starting three for 12, Finishes 16 of 30 for only 184 yards. Um, 
Yeah, the Bears end up actually outgaining the Jets. So, because they showed a stat earlier that I think we talked about it, the Bears' first team to win three straight games while uh, being outgained. And at one point in this game, it looked like it was going to be, well, they didn't look like they're going to win, but they're looking like they're going to get outgained. But they actually ended up with more yards than the Jets. Uh, Blair Thomas, 27 carries for 125 yards. And Probably a career game. game. Uh, Al Toon only caught the one pass early uh, on. They didn't. The Rob Moore four for forty four. Chris Burkett four for forty one. They they all keep going on about how tall he is. Uh, that was pretty much it. Dennis Bird yeah. and Jeff Lagerman both had a sack for the Jets. Richard Dent had one for the Bears. Well, and then when 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 they're walking off and like Al now wants to just eulogize the Jets. He's convinced that week four, this shitty franchise, which he's already been down on. Uh, that this game, the, the, why even play the last 12 games, right? He's like, uh, he's like, it's going to be a, a tough season. I mean, this one stays with you. They say it won't, and they'll say you regroup, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's admittedly a tough loss, but I looked it up, and the fact the Jets actually made the playoffs that year, which itself was a rarity. So, you know, it's funny how these broadcasters will kind of have these narratives, and they're trying to tell you one thing, and Al's trying to tell us, yeah, it was, it was a rough loss, but it did not actually send the Jets into some spiral. They were a decent team, and they made the playoffs. So they just pissed one away. So for Blair Thomas... The game that he's probably most remembered for. Well, because for him, it's fumble. different. I think maybe it did ruin his career. 125 yards rushing was his career high. It was his career game. He only <laughs> gained 100 yards one other time, and he had already done it. And September 30th, the year before, he ran for 100 on the nose against the Patriots. Barely. He, it, could have, it was one yard for me because only 100-yard game. In his career, he only had one 90-yard game, 92 yards once. He had two in the 80s. And two in the seventies, and that was it. He played. You go around telling people that his career game happened on national television because yep. he gets too far into the game, and then he he plays to realize he played sixty-four career games, and in fifty-eight of them, he gained fewer than eighty yards. Number wow. two pick in the draft. Well, you know, I think Curtis Enos actually had a worse career, so. I guess we can't laugh too hard. But Curtis wasn't the number two pick, right? He was this. No, but he was, he was top five. five. The 97 Bears were terrible. That was a team that was one of the closest in our lifetime. They've come to being a top pick. So Enos would have been a third or fourth pick. Thank so you, Mark. If, if ESPN Classic was still a thing, which it's not. I guess NFL Network can show old games. They, they, the, you're in the description. This would be uh, Blair Thomas's career high rushing game. Yep. And Cat Boso gets a face full of grass. And then people yes. watch and go, oh, my God, that's right. It was horrible, just some wild player. shit that happened. Right. The Bears just excruciatingly grinding the game down to the last possible moment before pulling it out on a shitty pass. Um, re- real quick, I figured might as well hit it to the two-hour mark since this was a three-hour game uh, we had to sit through. It's probably our longest cast of the season, but I'd be remiss if I didn't just you shared with us that you were in the uh, the Grant South dorms for this game. You were a freshman, as some people might know. Andy, you and I went to NIU at the same time. I was a year ahead of you. Uh, my sophomore year, and this game was going on. I lived at Stadium View Apartments, where you coincidentally lived three years after I did. Yep. Uh, but when we lived in Stadium View, Stadium View Two, Roman numeral Two, Stadium View One was uh, an older complex that was more interior across the way. Uh, but Stadium View Two was brand new. We were living there the second year that it was open 
there was a bar across the street. This is on the western edge of DeKalb, Lincoln Highway, good old Roosevelt Road, pretty much straight down Illinois 38 from where the Bears were playing this night. But um, there was a bar, and I may have mentioned it on a previous podcast, called the Stadium Club. It was really not that well-known if you went to NIU. First of all, if you went to NIU, Chances are good that you were either from Chicago or Rockford, and chances are good you went home all the time like a big lamo. Yeah, not, so not me. Not me. I never. I was the kid that never. In fact, this year, my sophomore year, I moved up a week before Labor Day. Didn't go home until Thanksgiving, like like I was living in Denver. Uh, why would you? I didn't understand. I never understood that. Yeah. It was a suitcase school. Our friends that went to Eastern and U of I and Southern had a lot more fun. They had bars that you could get into at nineteen. Um, you know, I had a great time at Northern because you I was do that determined. Now. Because I was determined, yeah, right. I know it's you changed. Get, the you can get in at nineteen now, in DeKalb. But I was determined to have a good time, in Northern, and I did. Had you know, great four years. Um, but I guess my point is that you know, the, the bar scene wasn't really huge unless you were twenty-one. I had a fake ID, but no, my roommates didn't, so it was only good for me to get beer at the bottle store. But at one point when we were living there, one of my roommates had just walked into the stadium club and went to the bar and uh, was served a drink. And we were a little bit surprised because, again, we didn't have, you know, um, he didn't have an ID. And we slowly discovered that this was, you know, this was not an NIU bar. It was on campus. And, of course, NIU students were welcome, but it wasn't really their scene. Yeah. A little bit more of a towny bar. But it was a big, wide-open bar, so it wasn't like cramped. And I don't think anyone's style would be cramped. And I think Joey, the owner, who seemed to be into uh, you know gambling and narcotics, like a lot of rest hospitality titans, uh, great guy. I think he just recognized, you know, kids are paying for their drinks, and this, no, this bar is not on anyone's radar. So you know, we didn't do it a lot because you know going to bars is still more expensive. It's cheaper to get a case of beer, you watch stuff at home. Um, but this game was on a Monday night. It was early in our uh, sophomore season when we were living at Stadium View, and we made it over there for this game. And I didn't realize this until I was rewatching it. When I was rewatching the game, I was nostalgic, just sort of watching these mediocre Bears and, um, and and just kind of thinking back to that time. And I kind of made the realization that it was really the first time in my adult life that I was out, you know, getting hammered in public at a public house. Uh, around a sporting event. And I don't think I realized that at the time. I think we were still, you know, I had been drinking in bars a little bit, but like going there expressly for a game, it's on a school night. And it was just, uh, you know, one of those things, obviously you won't forget. It was hysterical, you know, a group of like four or five of us. Uh, I remember crawling into a payphone after the crazy, just to call my dad, just because I know he was watching the game and I'm smashed. Just like, you know, great experience, 19 year old uh, getting corrupted, but uh, we'll always have uh, uh, fond recollections of the stadium club. Uh, and the night that I, uh, I watched the Bears Jets insanity that uh, yeah. went, it was a four hour game. Thanks to the overtime. Well, that's funny because I started drinking at uh, Stadium Club the next year because I'm sure we were in there many times. Yeah, same yeah. Oleg was in we, there too, even, and none of us knew each other. Um, well, we moved, yeah, we moved to uh, the, the hippies at College and John the next year, but we would still sometimes come back until we turned 21. Because I had a friend so, from right. high school who was playing volleyball at Kish, and she was a waitress at um, Stadium Club. And this, you know, 1992 ah. then, she uh-huh. would um, leave a. Uh, no, she couldn't leave me a message because I didn't have an answer machine. She would just call and try to catch me and let me know what days that week she was going to be working. Uh, we could, we uh-huh, could wander uh-huh. down at night or on a Sunday afternoon, and we could drink in uh, yeah. the stadium club. There, there was one time where I think maybe we got a little bit unsubtle, and one of the waitresses like cut us off, and we were like indignant. What? Like, you know, you're not even supposed to be here. 
But I was there in 92 for a Bears game. My dad came up, took me out to breakfast at Duffy's, and went across the street. And now I'm 20, still. And, go, uh, and you know, dad came for a Sunday morning breakfast. Yeah, let's watch the Bears game. They're playing the Saints. And that was another captain comeback game from Harbaugh where he was like one of 10 in the game. And then he marches them down the field to, to, to tie it on a pass to Waddle. Waddle, when you look at it, he just he just bailed Harbaugh's ass out. Yep. If Waddle's concussed today, and I wouldn't be surprised if you listen to him on the radio sometimes, uh, he has Jim Harbaugh to blame. I mean, this game alone, he's like – he's just – pulling Harbaugh's fat out of the fire, making ridiculous catches. And he did that a lot. He did that for a few years. Um, you know, I, I, I like why I'll remember Waddle fondly. He wasn't great, but man, he, he was, he was fun for yeah, a certain you don't expect the, the undrafted sub six foot free agent from Boston College to be great, but, yeah. and then give him credit. He became a, uh, um, I don't know, even what the, a folk hero. And then, um, yeah, has managed to turn that into a very productive, yeah. successful. And career. I won't, I won't begrudge him that, like I do other guys. Like no, he's actually good at. Is like, he's good at. Like he's, Tommy's he's an easy listen on the radio, which is he is what you want. Um, I took a cheap shot at him earlier of being concussed. He's actually pretty sharp. Um, I, I, I've, I've, sometimes I get, I get really annoyed by guys. You know, it's the eighty-five effect. Or the eighty-five bears. You know, can never have to pay for a meal in town. But it got to be where you didn't have to play for the eighty-five bears. You'd be Jim Big Cat Williams, or you know. But Waddle, I won't begrudge because he, uh, you know, he really left it out there. I mean, I mean I, was, the only thing uh, we can, he, I'd say, the only thing we can blame Waddle for is Glenn Kozlowski. Because he paved yeah, the way for Kaz to ruin WGN Saturday and uh, Sundays for like Kaz was so Kaz is like years. the guy who's like he he's this weird nice guy and nobody wants to be mean to him, and uh, but he doesn't do any like when he was on the show he, he was just he was just talking and say incorrect stupid things the entire three hours it drove me crazy it's like you're you're no good at this you you only got this job because you you somehow ingratiate yourself with your mormon smarmy niceness and nobody can tell you to fuck off yeah i mean that would never happen today it's not like it's not like there's a long snapper who is busy boring everyone to tears on the radio on a weekly not a fan not a fan of tommy john's son-in-law patrick manley no okay a little full of himself. I, well, no, I don't. I just I don't find him. I don't think he's very good at his job. I don't think he's very good at. It. I don't find him very interesting. I, it's not. That I think he's a jerk. I don't. He seems like a perfectly nice guy, but it's like. Ugh. And I, I think I probably have a. Um, I think it annoys me that. And these are meaningless records, and I shouldn't care. But like the, the longest tenured bear. You know, James. It's like because I heard you taking a shot at the long snapper earlier today. So they okay, right? Because he is the Bears all time. Uh, he played more games than anybody else in more out. seasons, right? Right. Because all he Which, ever did was stick yes. his head between his legs and, and throw a ball backwards. And he's not even allowed to get hit on those plays. It's a penalty if you hit him. Yeah, that's right. He's almost safer than the punter, right? I mean, that's how. Uh, <laughs> Who is it now? Patrick Scales? I don't even know who the long snapper is. That's how it should be. You shouldn't know who right, the long snapper yeah. is. I will give him credit. He was That's he was true. good at it. There's a he reason he played it. 16 he years. He, he rarely screwed up a snap. So, I, you know, That's if you're going to do something, you might as well be good at it. But I still think you should have it. to use a real center. I think the Bears should have like to use it. Cody Whitehair or Sam Mustafer. I can actually do it now. But Cody would be yeah. Cody would be snapping the ball into the stands if he had to try to if he had to try to do a long snap. Imagine the hygiene. Or how about this? You have to use the backup quarterback. 
Okay. You designate quarterback one and two, and number two got to stick his head between his legs and throw the ball backwards. Long to the, yeah. I like it. I despite, you know, mix things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah there's um, thing, uh, there, it's, it's little things when you look back at these games, like Brian Bashnagel holding, Harbaugh holding. And actually, yeah. so Harbaugh, I will give him credit for this. He throws the touchdown pass to Neal to tie the game at the buzzer. I mean, it's, it's close you can get to a walk-off. Is that they're, all it is to tie the game. He's sending it to overtime. And so he's super excited. The whole stadium is super excited. And you just think how, like, how hard his heart is pumping because he's so excited. And now he's got a hold for the extra point. That's true. Because you think, think how excited it. you are and your heart's thumping and everything's going. It'd be super easy to botch it. And now you're the goat. God, I didn't even think about that. All right. Well, until next time, then. We don't even know what next time is yet. Yeah. Stay tuned. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. All right. See you, Andy. Thanks. Many of us have herpes. 